Screen Watchers, episode 9.5. Really, episode 10. Your game scouts for all multi-platform news, discussion, and otherwise worthless banter. I am Joe DeClara. I am joined this week by my friend and my co-host, the PvP purist, Ryan. Yo, we're back to the two-person podcast. Yeah, two mics. Ian, we haven't done this for over two months now. I guess I finally like listened. I told you this. I listened to all of our episodes yeah. like to like look back and see how far we've come. Haven't come that far. Yeah, but I think we've come those first far. two episodes. We've come a long way from like okay. just me and you, like endlessly feeding our listeners misinformation, which more people have come on to the show. Right, that's what we try to do. We bring people on who uh, berate us online about how wrong we've been. Yeah, yeah. Those I love when you sent me Ian's chat during the when we were talking about Pokemon Pokemon and like having listened to him correct us on everything. I listened to it and I could see where your where his chat. He's just like Mount Moon is not where you do the Flash. It's in the dark. It's in this darkest dungeon, whatever it is. And more misinformation right now. Oh my God, it's not in blue, it's in yellow. And then at some point, we both agree on something. Like, I think it was this game. Yeah, it was this game. It was so egregious. To him, he was like, I need to be on this podcast. Just need to help this Literally out. said that to you. He's just like, I demand to be on this podcast. So yeah, Well, Ian will be back next week. I mean, this is just a temporary thing. I think Scheduling so. conflict. This is, We've had sicknesses on this podcast. The format, yeah, you were especially sick, which and, is why. And it's Ian so, as well. Yeah, Ian last week was sick, could not make it. This week was just overloaded with work, and we ended up dis, uh, stalling the podcast because you were sick. You are still sick. No, I'm not sick. I'm, I'm good now. So you're holding the water bottle to your head. You're sick. Oh yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> you're like, yeah. I'm not sick. I'm just burning up from the inside out. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So we play with the vibe this week. We that's did the, play with that's the, vibe. the headliner that we've we really skipped here. This is the big week. This is, I think, in in the year of VR. This is the week of VR, week number one of the VR. This week, GDC, big news came from there. The PlayStation VR press event held by PlayStation, big news coming from there. But before we did all that, and before we talk about that, Ryan, me and you finally got to try on the Vive. We got to try on the Vive, and if you're listening at home, you're saying, I thought about what VR could be like, I'm kind of excited about it, you need to just go and try the vibe. I mean, this is the first one that I've tried, the first real one. I tried the Oculus, talking mm-hmm. about it on the podcast. Didn't really get into the gaming experiences, but the vibe takes it to a completely other level. Mm. We tried multiple demos, and they were mind-blowing. Ryan, you were mentioning a couple weeks ago that there was the issue where people don't have places to try it out. Like, you had found this uh, meetup online to find the... Uh, Oculus, you guys had to be really in, integrated into the system to yeah. know Oculus is up. Oculus and Hololens are up for demos right now. Go try it out. How did you find out about? Like, did you find out about the HTC Vive? Yes, yeah, so I walked into the Microsoft Store. They had a Hololens on display. I was just looking, browsing, and I said, "Man, do you have one of these that's actually functional in this store?" The guy said, "No, we don't, but we have a Vive on the third floor." I said, "Sorry, good day. I'll see you later." <laughs> and I ran up the third floor, and there was a Vive. I mean, it, it was up for a demo, like you up could for sign a demo. for. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you did, you didn't try it out. Then you literally sent me pictures, and I was like, "Ryan, stay right there. I'm on my way." Came from Long Island, took a train into the city, and obviously you didn't stay there. But we, we ended up rendezvousing at the Microsoft Store later, and so we, we, got we tried on. out the vibe. Yeah. I mean, so we tried three demos. You want to mm-hmm. walk through the demos for the people? What kind of what we actually experienced? Okay, sure. Yeah. So first demo was uh, I forget what this one was called, but essentially you are submerged under the ocean on a shipwreck scene and there's tons of fish and stingray and all sorts of you know aquatic life around you and you are fully submerged there's really awesome 3d audio going around you you get to look around and walk around because the htc vive has those two two sensor towers which sets it apart from the other headsets where you can be walking around a certain designated space to experience. So you are on a ship at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, for people you're walking around the ship, yeah. Don't really understand this. It's it's something that you really can't comprehend until you try it. Mm -hmm. It's something that I was excited about but not fully invested in. When you first get into this machine, you strap it on and you were put 
into another world. I mean, I was actually afraid during this experience that I would be breathing water. My brain was tricked. <laughs> and I was like, where's my mask? I would. I felt like I was taking gulps of water. Uh-huh. You really feel like you're underwater. And then the big thing that happens in this scene is that a whale comes out at you, mm-hmm. a giant whale. And you have to reckon with this creature. I mean, this thing is like four school buses long yeah. and probably like thousands of pounds. For the record, we are in a Microsoft store in the you know in the city it's you know how many square feet large you know and then you're transported through the vibe into the ocean it literally feels like you're in a different place and you like this giant blue whale it's a blue whale right that could not have existed there like it is absolutely unreal seeing that whale for the first time you see it like you turn around and he's 100 200 feet away and he's swimming towards you and finally comes right up on you. And you are looking eye to eye with this whale. And then the fucking tail just comes swinging at you after you. it like starts swimming away. It is the most real experience. Most I, Everyone likes using this word, most immersive experience that in a video game. I assume it's, I guess we can call it a video game. It's really just a VR experience that I have ever, you know, taken part of. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, it was really sweet. And this is the thing about the vibe, though, that I've been thinking of. And unlike the other devices that are going to be out, you're not going to be able to walk around in the 3D worlds. I think that really is the key. And with the other VR. two, with the other two headsets that are out, plus other headsets that are with the other ones that we're seeing with Oculus and with the Google Cardboard that I've tried mm-hmm. and uh, PSVR, PSVR. You are actually not going to be able to walk around the 3D world. Right. I, the Vive is the only one. I mean, I think that is the killer feature of VR. Absolutely. I think that's sitting it's a killer at a feature desk. of the, the Vive. The VR itself, I think the VR, you know, the novelty of just being able to track your movements, just your head movements and your your, your turning and stuff, I think it's novel enough to sell VR, um, but absolutely the most transporting element is what sets it apart and what puts it at the pinnacle is, you know, the walking around, being able to have those two sensor towers sense your presence in a VR space. All right. What was the next demo? The next demo we did was, I forgot what it was called, but it was a shooter. Essentially you're, I think they said it was a space pirate, a space pirate. Pa- fantastic. Anyway. So I mean, that is really what you felt like. Very space pirate. Yeah. Much more generic video game situation, kind of sci-fi. You're placed on top of a building in like this, uh, sort of sci-fi, uh, environment like this city area not really too detailed except there's this like spaceship behind you and spawning around you are these drones that are shooting at you and you have the two controllers uh which can be sensed in the vr space and you can see them in in your helmet that is something that that, people might not realize when they think about this the controllers are actually tracked by the towers yeah and you can see the in the helmet you can see the controllers like they're your hands yeah and that, that is something ta- that really right takes tangentially, it to level. yeah. When you're first being set up, you're in this like white matrix space, like just a blank slate area, um, and you can see basically nothing except the controllers, which were set up on like the shelf where the guys who were uh, facilitating the demos were holding the controllers. And he's like, "All right, I'm gonna bring you these controllers," and I'm looking at the controllers like you know some ten feet away from me, and they just start floating towards me <laughs> in yeah. a real trippy situation. It's pretty intense. Yeah. That is one of the sweetest parts. So anyway, seeing yeah. your hands yep. in a totally alien world. Yeah, yeah. So back to the second demo. Some shooter thing in a sci-fi space. Little spaceship thing that you don't interact with behind you. These drones start popping up and you're supposed to shoot them. And each controller is a gun. And you have an arsenal of guns of sorts. You can like reach behind you with the controller as if you're reaching to a backpack full of guns or what have you. And you can switch out between a regular machine pistol, you know, machine gun pistol, whatever, and then you can switch it out again and you have a riot shield or a charged laser gun and you have a gun for each hand and you just shoot down these drones in like an arcadey, you know, wave by wave format. But I think something that you didn't lock into when you were playing really, not only could you shoot these things, which was what you're doing. You could walk around in the space and dodge the bullets that they're shooting at you, mm-hmm. which is a gameplay that I mean, super hot in VR is going to be so insane. Mm-hmm. I'm really pumped for it. Yeah, I did. The thing is, like for the the water, 
I don't know what it's called. We'll call it the deep uh, for now. But like the the underwater demo, um, the first thing I thought of was to like walk around because I'm thinking, oh, I'm trying the vibe for the first time. But then you're transported into this first person shooter thing. And I'm thinking first person shooter. Really cool that instead of like having this aim down mechanic, uh, having to like hold down a trigger in order to bring the sights up to your head, you have a gun in your hand. And you can aim like it's yeah, a regular you gun. you can shoot behind you. Yeah, exactly. So I was focused completely on that, did not move around at all for that demo. Didn't realize that till later you told me, like, you should have been, like, moving around, walking around. I'm like, it didn't occur to me to do that. And I've been hearing other press people saying things like that. Like, oh, I didn't think to even turn around that, like, you know, they're, they are in full control of their camera's perspective by just turning around and seeing enemies that flew by them or whatever. I liked it. It was cool, like holding a gun and stuff, but you were so much more into it. While you were playing it, you had on a child's smile like I hadn't seen in years. It was pretty incredible. It's the first time I felt joy in as long as I can remember. <laughs> anyway. And then the third demo was like a Google. Tilt brush. It was made by Google. Tilt yeah, brush. It's the Google Tilt Draw brush. in VR. So yeah, you're given this, again, designated area to walk around and look around in, and your your controllers are now paintbrushes essentially and you have a palette of different colors and different uh types of brushes or markers or what have you uh but obviously because you're in vr you can you have a full three-dimensional space to work with you can draw a line that goes up down left right forward backward so first thing i'm doing is obviously just drawing little glowing spirals and things like that and then drawing things within the spiral and that to me clicked as like this is gonna be so much more you know like obviously everyone keeps talking about how vr is going to explode into not just a video game platform but just a platform for all sorts of media and that's a huge one creation you know you can now work in a 3d yeah yeah you can really dig in and get your hands dirty with with 3d space designs you know yeah i mean you have to wonder why facebook is behind one of the leading headsets i mean they're really thinking that this is going to be the next platform for interact for social interaction for mm. for spending time with friends i think and sure. they i mean i think facebook the people at facebook think we missed the pc revolution we're around for that we're not, we're not the dominant operating system on pcs yeah we want to be the first thing that people see when you strap on your new reality mm-hmm. yeah when facebook first bought oculus uh Mark Zuckerberg spoke about how he sees it as more than just a gaming platform, said, imagine not just gaming scenarios. He was saying you could also be using this for things. He drew an example like uh, going to events, things like that, going to like a baseball game or something or going to uh, a family event that you can't make because of the travel or what have you. So he's obviously thinking way outside just the gaming spectrum. Yeah. I mean, that's really exciting. That That's the stuff we're going to see in the next few years mm-hmm. when people actually get their hands on this stuff. Yeah. And I think people are really going to be blown away. I mean, what did you think of this? Were you as excited before you tried the Vive? What is your excitement level pre this demo versus what it is now? Oh, well, I fe- mostly felt, you know, cautiously excited because of things like pricing, uh, you know that and that being a a wall for developers to get past you know thinking like well no one's buying it so we can't make anything for it but people keep drawing an analogy like you know when tv was first becoming a thing people were saying oh it's too expensive is everyone really going to have one of these things and now it's like a joke to think that someone yeah. wouldn't invest in and start making content for television so i see it as that right now as like we're concerned about these really Minimal things besides safety issues. That's my only thing. Uh, So the only thing I ever felt besides pure excitement was concern for like, is it a viable option for developers to jump into? Having played it, I am supremely excited. I have the utmost certainty that at least one of these headsets is going to just blow everyone out of the water and it's going to go all over the place. I assume, I think one of them will explode like most people are saying it's an early adopter slow burn type of thing i think one of these headsets is going to explode and just take the world by storm i mean yeah it's it's very exciting i I was at an event in manhattan Mm -hmm. uh, a vr focused event and what they opened it with saying uh people think that this is going to be as big of a leap 
as moving from uh, black and white to color and no sound to sound in television combined. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that that would be huge. I mean, it's going to be a huge thing. Yeah. It could be bigger than that. You know, you're it's taking the thing is like we're getting a little deep now, but like interaction with media has mostly existed in video games. Right now, I've been making arguments and like, you know, my writing and stuff like that. Like, do we just call it a video game because it's an interactive medium? Like if it's just an interactive story or something <laughs> that like isn't decided on just the artist's perspective, but it's also gives you agency. Does that make it a video game? This is really going to challenge that now. Just because you're walking around in a shipwreck scenery and like checking out blue whales and like the ocean, the the ocean meets the sky. Area. Yeah, was that a game? Was that a video game? Yeah, and I would say no. It was a VR experience. There's different, you know, a game. It's convenient to say, but in the end, we're gonna break out into some really seriously new, like interwoven mediums and stuff like that with VR, and it's very very exciting. Very exciting. So more to come on VR as we try more of these headsets. And in this episode, we're going to talk about more the to come. PSVR. More to come every week from here on out, dude. Here on out. It's a, we're a video game slash VR podcast. Absolutely. Ian will be very excited. That was the VR stuff we were working on this week. Uh, but obviously we play video games over the week. I played a lot of The Division this week. Play I'll more talk Division. More, yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk more about The Division maybe next time when we have more people to bounce off. I was, I'm okay. liking The Division right now. You like it. I like it more than most reviewers. Uh, I want to see a little it. bit of it. Yeah, I, it's exactly what you expect, honestly. Yeah. You don't even need to see it. It's just a third-person shooter. It's most fun with your friends. Don't play it by yourself. You'll get nothing out of it. Okay. Very shallow. Lots of fun mechanics. That's basically the game. Have not gotten too far. Only at level 15. There's 30 levels plus, well, I would assume, post-game content. You know, like, oh, end game. Like, okay, now we're really getting into the meta of, like, what guns are good and stuff like that. Okay. I would assume that's coming. Uh, a lot of people have said that's where the game hits a wall. So I'm not there yet. I'm still having fun. Oh, okay. But we'll see. Ryan, what did you play this week besides HTC Vive Awesomeness? Okay, so I rebought. We we talked about this game Downwell a few yes. episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, loyal viewers may remember. Very exciting mobile game <laughs> yeah. where a mobile platformer. I and still we play had it regularly. we had a long discussion mm-hmm. over whether the touch controls for a platformer on mobile sufficient mm-hmm. or lacking. So I bought- I'd say sufficient, but uh, inadequate compared to a regular controller. And my position was not so optimal that it was totally fine and perfectly reasonable for simpler games that only required uh, left, right, and one interactive element, like a jump or like a jump, yeah, or two even interactive elements. Mm-hmm. Downwell gets very hard. I don't know how far you've gotten into it. Not hard, far at all. But it gets very quickly very difficult, and you kind of need a, a game. I mean, I, I you need a game. You pad. don't need one, but you need a game pad. Ian made a point on the podcast where there are some there's a level of difficulty that you can't achieve if you're playing on a touch surface. Absolutely. And the thing is, I think with more even more hours, I could get almost as good. But you downwell gets very hard very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I bought it on Steam. It was on sale for a dollar fifty. Mm-hmm. Got a great deal. And I've been playing on my Xbox Elite controller. Uh, not that much better, but I mean, I think it's one of the crazy. I, my opinion is that it's the coolest gaming peripheral to come out uh, in the last 20 years. The only thing almost as cool, the Nintendo Power Glove. Because it, it <laughs> is a Power first is party. novelty and that's it. it no, it is a first party high end controller. That, that never happens. And. It is really great. I mean, it's a very, it's a very tight controller. But yeah, playing down well on the PC with the Elite controller, and I've gotten much further. Uh, I've been reading some strategy online how to how to do well at down well. Oh, you got real deep. Into you got to get uh, you got to get the combos. I mean, that's the thing. If you've yeah, been yeah. Playing, you got see. Get, I knew about the combos. Didn't know about the combos when I was playing. If you get ten combos, you get a hundred jewels or whatever. I, I got, didn't know by I got like, like thirty combos yeah, tonight. Uh, before I came here. Damn. I mean, I've gotten up to like twelve probably. Like, I, I didn't know it was a thing. I just, you know, messing around with the game was like, oh, I'll j- try and jump on each guy without breaking the chain and then eventually set a combo. I'm like, oh, well, surprise. There's a combo with, you know, jumping on enemy to enemy sort of thing. Have not gotten to your level. Yeah. And 
great game, really cheap. Buy it on multiple platforms, support the developer, mm. etc. Play it on a gamepad. I would play it uh, on the PC, on Steam with a gamepad. Also, yeah. just a PS, Most people do. A PSA, if you have a Windows computer, and even if you're not a big gamer, pick up a gamepad. You can get a 360 controller for, what, probably like 15 bucks used. 360 controller has a terrible D-pad. Like, I, I'm borrowing your, your game, because I'm using your old PC right now for all my PC gaming experiences. And anytime I need a gamepad, I can't download the patch for the uh, Xbox Elite controller currently. So I'm using the your Xbox 360 controller. D-pad is terrible, unplayable on that game that gamepad as far as I'm concerned. Hate that I D-pad. used the D-pad on the 360 controller for a long time and, and got by with it. It shows because that D-pad is fucked. That it's D-pad not, is dead. <laughs> it's not the best, but just really if you have a PC, I mean, I've been, I've been using gamepads on PCs. Um, you know, for for fifteen years now, and I think yeah. that's a great it's a great thing. Even if you just have a little laptop with not a great graphics card, you, there's a lot of games you could play on it. Sure, you can kind of repurpose that into a, a retro machine with a small. Sure, play some Mario sixty four. Play Mario sixty four. Play all the Super Nintendo games. You can have a little gamepad. Other game that I've been playing this week, a game you introduced me to, uh, probably like six months ago now. Probably the, over a year ago. It on the PC. Came out in like I mean, April. Sorry, on the year. PS3, the PS4 that you have. Yeah. Titan Souls. Titan Souls. Yeah. This game is really sweet. You want to explain? I'm so t- Titan Souls came out uh, last year on PC and PlayStation. Uh, came out on the, the PlayStation Store, and it was a PS Plus game at a certain point. Well, it was uh, it came out for some kind of promo. But anyway, Titan Souls, a bit-style 2D 2D Zelda-esque style game, like top-down's perspective, uh, very much inspired by Zelda, Link to the Past, and Shadow of the Colossus. So you are essentially a little sprite character who only can dodge by doing a dodge roll, um, sprint, and can shoot a little arrow. And he only has one arrow that he can retrieve by either force-pulling or by running over it. So very minimal mechanics of how how you can interact with you with how you can control your character very minimal then around this world is not a lot but what it is inhabited with is several i'd say like 10 or 14 or something bosses much like shadow the colossus so no like little enemies or anything or npcs to interact with and talk to just a world filled with bosses that you need to go and take down and everything is set on a one-hit-kill basis. If you are hit by anything, you are dead. You have to start over from a checkpoint. And the checkpoint's always outside of the boss fight. So you have one shot to kill the spots. And the bosses themselves are also similar because they have a weak spot, most of them, at in on some point of their body. It's normally obvious with like a little pink uh, underbelly or something like that. Hitting that soft underbelly is the way to get their one-hit kill. So everything's one-hit kill. Very, very grueling, difficult, challenging, and compelling game that I enjoyed very much back last year. Did you beat it? I did. Beat it on Iron Mode as well. I am loving this game. I mean, I'm playing it on again on my on my new gamepad. It is really hard. It's a really hard game. I mean, I first of all, the bosses are medium hard. I mean, I've been able to beat them each like uh, 10, 20 tries. There's a lot of exploring in this game from what I've found. I mean, like mm-hmm. you have to really run around this big world to find these bosses. Yes, definitely. Not and, a lot else to find besides the bosses, but the bosses are somewhat cleverly hidden around the world. You know, that doesn't take a lot of exploring to do, but you need to go out and seek them out. So that's, that's a cool little element. Not really a part that I enjoy about the game. I, I wish they just streamlined it so you can fight the bosses. I feel like if they just brought you right to the bosses, then you would just be... I mean, if you just created an assembly line of bosses, that would take a lot <laughs> of the experience and a lot of the aesthetic out. I mean, not the aesthetic, but what, but the aesthetic would serve absolutely nothing if you just had a streamlined, you know, corridor of bosses door after door. Yeah, but for me, that's really what I want to be doing in the game. Mm-hmm. The problem with the exploring for me is that there's really nothing interesting in the world to, mm-hmm. to dig into besides just hunting for these bosses. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that to be, like, pretty tedious. I agree. So I kind of just, I was playing it before this. I got lost. I mean, I, I went down a corridor where... 
I knew there wasn't a boss at the end, or if there was, I couldn't find it. It's going to mm. take me 10 minutes to backtrack to where I was, mm. turn this off, I'm done with it, I'll restart it, you know, a little I, later. Uh, but the boss battles are really fun. Yeah. I picked this game up on Steam for 375 so another great deal. Fantastic game. Not really a timely game, like you can kind of play it whenever, because it's got that 8-bit, 16-bit style to it. I agree with you that it's very barren, not really anything to explore except for trying to find the bosses. I found that it's a flaw in the game, and I found it somewhat therapeutic because the boss battles were so fucking frustrating because yeah. you kept dying. No, I actually had another problem with the game. Uh, I think it spawns you a little too far away from the bosses. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do when that you walk. Die. You have to trek that same path over and over. That's pretty annoying. That's the therapeutic part for me. Like, first couple times was annoying to me. After a while, it's like, that's a good cool down. Me, like, reflect, like, okay. But, like, there's these scenarios where I'm you're raging, like, Joy. I want to get back into <laughs> There's these scenarios where you're like, okay, well, while you're climbing up the whatever you have to get to to get to the boss, you're thinking, okay, well, I, I dodged to the left. Maybe I should just dodge to the right. And also, he kind of rolls to the left sometimes, so maybe I can catch him there. And then you go in, you're like, okay, I'm ready. And you die instantaneously. <laughs> like, all that reflecting, just, like, meaningless. Yeah, that happened to be... A lot of times, <laughs> more than one. It'll time. happen to you more times. Just I'm actually late. very close to looking up a um, like a walkthrough. Don't don't do that for the overworld because I that. I probably won't finish it if, if then it's don't play take it. me. Honestly. But I want to play the boss battles. I think they're so fun. Yeah, but why? I don't know. You could go to another boss battle. That's another great thing about this game. You can explore and take and experience the boss battles in any order you choose. Once you get to the main area. Like the main opening, like you beat the first, the first four bosses, yeah. So once that, you could just fight any one. Like I got sick of one that I just could not beat. Left, tried something else. Same thing with the witness. Like I got to a puzzle, I got stuck on. Like fuck this, I went exploring again, found some other puzzles to do. That's great game design, like for for you specifically. I think true. Well, I'm gonna stick with that game for a little bit longer. Give it a few minutes every day. If I stop making progress, Mm -hmm. probably gonna be done with it. Beat it on iron mode, and then you'll have my respect. Until then, you're a plebeian in my mind, of course. Oh, boy. Uh, you played something else. That's it. That's it? Played Rocket League, played Counter-Strike. Yeah. <laughs> Actually played uh, 16 hours of Rocket League this week. Damn. Got back on those Rocket Labs? Yeah. They're fantastic. They They're are. the same ones, right? They my favorite like, is 1v1, it. though. 1v1 is really where it's really at. really don't like 1v1 on Rocket League. I don't know why. I don't understand. Like, I, I hate when I have a teammate who's an idiot. Yeah, I hate that, too. But then I have those moments where I have a teammate that knows what's up and it's like this. And it's like, for those at home, I'm crossing my fingers and saying it's like this. And it's amazing. It's like rewarding. And and then you you hit those D-pad, those D-pad emotes like, yeah, what up? I played a really exciting uh, match where it was my teammate left and it was one on two and I had to grind the entire game out just to be in the game against two people. And I beat them. I was very happy. That's what you're looking for. You're hoping you you go into two on two, hoping your your teammate bounces out. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah. You're in my way. There you go. All right. Well, those are the games we played this week. Big VR week. Ryan and I played the HTC Vive, but also HTC. the game HTC. Oh, you're one of those. The Game Developers Conference occurred this week. We'll be discussing the Game Developers Conference PlayStation VR's press event as well as a possible sign of a PlayStation 4.5 on the horizon, but first some music. the Game Developers Conference this week, PlayStation held a press event to reveal the price and date for their entry in the virtual reality market, PSVR. Announced on Tuesday, the PlayStation 4-powered headset will cost $399 US dollars and will be released in October of this year. PSVR will require a PlayStation camera 
and two PS Move controllers to function, which can be bought separately or bundled with the VR for a total of $500. The first wave of pre-orders for the bundle, not the PSVR itself, will become available on Tuesday, March 22nd. So you're excited about this, and people, I'm very confused about people being excited about the low price. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, multiple conversations on this podcast about you being like, I want it to be as low as possible. And when it came out, I was on the subreddit, the PSVR subreddit, and the, the, one of the, the sticky thread at the top was, are you in or out? And everyone's like, yes, it's finally low enough. I'm willing to buy it. This makes no sense to me. I don't understand. Because was, you have a fundamental misunderstanding the- with what we want. We don't want the price to be low in or, and and therefore the headset to be low quality. We want the price to be low while the headset is still high quality and demands a lot of func- and demands a lot of hardware for it to function, which is exactly what they did. They they created this excellent marketing strategy that makes it so that it looks it appears to be a hev- extremely affordable headset. It's $400 essentially just for the headset itself and the processor unit it comes with and whatever components without a controller, which is the only headset that's doing that, that you can buy the headset by itself without a controller. The Oculus Rift is coming with an Xbox One controller bundled, like however you buy it. The HTC Vive has the HTC Vive controllers, the touch controllers. This is the only headset that's coming without any kind of controllers you have to buy the ps move controllers which are those old touch old like motion wii mote type controllers they came out with during the playstation 3 uh generation those need to be bought separately the playstation camera which is playstation's xbox connect type uh thing is needs to be bought as well that is how they track your head movements actually Uh, Obviously, relative head movements are tracked just from looking left, right, up, down. But your head positioning is tracked by the light bars that are on the PS Move by the PlayStation camera. So, essentially, this is going to end up costing you... I thought it was going to end up costing you nearly or over $600 because of the PlayStation camera and the Move controllers. But then they announced this bundle which has the controllers and the right, camera right. and so with it's it. 500 all in if you already have a PlayStation so for me it's it's more like 1000 all in because I have to buy a game you'd have to two. well the, it comes with a, a game bundled in the game is PlayStation World VR Worlds which is just the tech demos that they've been showing off like one is the deep which is like our HTC Vive underwater demo there's a shooter one the London Heist there's a street luge one there's like five demos bundled into it right but okay going back to my point i mean people are talking about they're very excited about the price being low yeah this doesn't it just fundamentally doesn't make sense to me Mm -hmm. like when i was i was looking for a computer monitor multiple months ago finally found and purchased one i bought one that was for a computer monitor very expensive it met all these very specific requirements that i was looking at i mean i spent hundreds of dollars on it I could have gotten one for a quarter of the price easily that to normal person would have looked very similar to the one that I ultimately got. But I know that I did the research and I got a higher quality, more expensive one. And for me, that would be the same with the PlayStation uh, VR. I would be looking, I would be comparing it to the other headsets, not just to the cheap price that it comes out as. So I could see, yes, like, yes, it's $500 for this bundle, but... Is it the best experience? Do I want the premium top of the line Ryan, experience? that's the difference. You are not a console gamer who is willing to sacrifice, you know, the absolute top-notch gleam and performance of PC gaming for con- for convenience and, you know, the less dirty having to deal with downloading drivers and, like, crashing units and having to upgrade all of your system specs. You know, that that is something console gamers are willing to sacrifice like they just want something that works they don't have to open up and deal with that's something i certainly can you know uh, relate to because i'm a console gamer i'm now seeing the light of pc i love pc i love steam it's fantastic however if i have to open up that pc i am fucked like i don't know where i'm gonna what i'm gonna do i'm sure i'll have you or someone to help me out along the way but you know essentially i just want something to work and also, I don't want to have to dump in a thousand dollars before 
throwing another six hundred, oh, eight hundred dollars to. There's the component of do you have a high end? Yeah, exactly. PC right. 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 Exactly. I don't right. have a PC. I have a PS4. Tons of people, millions upon millions, have a PlayStation Four right now. Every one of them ostensibly can buy a PS VR and have VR right now for five hundred dollars. That's a pretty sweet deal. We don't necessarily need to be top of the line. You do. That's why the Vive is so compelling to you because you can. It's the best. It's the best one out there, and it has the most immersive element. Those sensor towers. Whereas I just want to play these awesome games. There's a couple of cool games on the PlayStation VR that are exclusive to the VR as of right now. At to least the PlayStation. Yeah, exclusively PlayStation, PlayStation VR. Sorry. So I'm I'm very nervous about this. Um, this idea that these VR systems are going to be walled gardens where you're not going to be able to get the software across them. And just the idea of an exclusivity on the PSVR, it's making me nervous. I'm seeing a lot of exclusivity in terms of the Oculus store. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Rift, the Rift extremely closed in, and you can a lot of the games are only going to come out for Oculus and not kind of come out for Vive. That's the case for a lot of them. The Vive has a lot of uh, Valve-based you know, software that's not going to come out for anything else. No, I think... Uh, PlayStation VR has a I bunch of first-party studios Valve working is doing on it. it much more openly, and everything that works on the Valve will also work with the Rift. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Through Steam, I guess. Right. Just like anything. You just plug in the, okay. the Rift. Okay. Well, anything, then, that's, I mean, that's, anything that's designed per- specifically for the Vive, it they'd be hard-pressed to get it to work unless the sensor... I mean, the, the sensor towers, like, you can move around in a Vive game, whereas in the Oculus, you're seated, and you're going to have to throw so an analog stick I, on it or something else. We have never tried an experience. I mean, a lot of people have, millions of people have, who bought the Oculus dev kit. Yeah. But we haven't really sat down yet and tried this experience of, I'm sitting in a chair, I'm using a controller to move my character around, but I'm looking around with my head mm-hmm. in a VR space and or, and or my hands are moving around. Uh, in VR space, but I am not moving. I'm stationary. Yeah. And I I think for me, the jury is still out on if that experience is compelling enough to spend 500 or $1,000 on. I think it depends on the software. Like, I mean, you see the Eve Valkyrie game, the uh, space combat sci-fi game. That looks like it would be perfect for, you know, you do not need a Vive to play that game. You're sat. You're in the, the fiction is right. you're sat in a, you know, in a, in a spaceship. And there so, has and been you're a lot, shooting stuff, and it's there awesome. Has already been a lot of development um, because the the Oculus Dev Kit has been out. There's been multiple games already that that have come out that, I mean, are that in that paradigm. You're sitting in a spaceship, or mm-hmm. you're standing somewhere, and you you are only moving around with the controller, but you're just moving your head. Yeah. And what we've heard journalists say for the last three years is that trying on these VR experiences at trade shows that you get transported into the world. It's a yeah. fundamental leap over just looking at a monitor. Mm-hmm. And I would have, I actually just thought that was kind of bullshit for a long time until we really tried it. No, I was, I was always sold on it because there are journalists and guys out there that I listened to and read their content for years. And I believe them and I think they're genuine, like uh, very specifically what the comment on VR that sold me Vincent Ingenito, an uh, editor at IGN, was talking about this game Adrift. Have you heard about this game? We talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, the the gravity esque game. So basically, you're you're an astronaut and you're floating around looking for oxygen os- oxygen tanks and things like that. And it's a, just your it's a very gravity like the movie Gravity esque game. And he said he went on the precipice of like the shuttle's hull. And looked out into the vastness of space, and he said it was the closest thing he's had to like a religious experience, looking out into the vastness of space in this VR helmet. And he's like, and I hope it comes to VR, to PSVR. And lo and behold, they announced a bunch of games for PSVR the other day, and Adrift is on there. So that by itself is exciting for me that I don't have to throw in one thousand dollars for a gaming PC to then throw in another six hundred, eight hundred dollars, a thousand dollars maybe to get my VR going. I have my PlayStation 4, uh, although we may need a new PlayStation come PlayStation 4.5. We'll talk about that later. But I have my PlayStation 4. It's a, uh, Apparently, it's PSVR ready. 
I could just throw $500 in for this bundle and be ready to play Adrift and Dreams and some of those cool tech demos and a bunch of other stuff that I'm sure will come out. Like there's a bunch of games on that list that look promising to me. I'm excited. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I've been thinking about it. It's going to be kind of very awkward when someone like, you know, gets a, a PSVR or a Vive or a Rift. How do you really share it with a friend? I mean, you have someone come over and like put on this headset. I'm going to go into the other room. I'll make us popcorn. I'll be back. In yeah. Minutes. I mean, we've done similar things. Like I just, I've shown you oxen free. It's like, all right, you play oxen free. I'm going to go make popcorn come out. But like different situation. Cause we can come back in and experience it together. Yeah. Developers have said that it, VR can be social. It's normally you because have you have heads- to have two headsets. Yeah, like these games can be interactive, but again, you have to have two headsets. PlayStation VR, I think a lot are going to sell. We'll see this Tuesday how many people buy pre-order the bundle. Um, but I think that when it comes to sharing a game, I don't share my phone. Like I don't let other people touch my phone normally because it's gross. Like people, you know, this phone goes everywhere, you know, it's probably gross. I wipe it down every now and then, but like your phone's probably gross with your grossness. My phone's gross with my grossness. I'm not going to want someone wearing my headset, honestly, in the end. So I understand you're thinking like, oh, how are you going to get people to sell this? I don't know if that's what you're saying or if you're saying share. I was literally just saying have a friend come over and see how cool the thing I bought is. The thing with PlayStation VR, and I'm sure is with all the VR headsets, they have said for PlayStation VR that anything you see on the screen. will be on the screen for anyone else to view. There are also family games that are coming with the PlayStation VR. There's games like this one, really silly, ridiculous game where like you are this enlarged character, whatever, and like four, th- up to four other players on controllers can be looking at the screen at the character you're controlling with the headset and throw stuff at it and like you know do something crazy there's cool. there's party games that exist that with just one headset and a bunch of controllers so they're going for it we'll see how it goes you know maybe that's not what vr is for you know i think vr is for the immersiveness and like the novelty of being transported into world not for the party like dad's wearing the headset let's throw shit at him you know all right well, you're in on the PSVR. I'm I do fully not, in. Do I'll not understand this. I feel like it's a crazy choice. You should be buying a PC instead. No, because I don't have I don't have the luxury of buying a PC right now. I was thinking about it. Like, if the PSVR is too expensive, I would save up for a PC, get the Vive. But like now, it's like you know what? The Vive can wait another five years when like it's way better. I'm I want to experience VR as soon as possible, and PlayStation VR is my best chance for that. Well, the PSVR is coming out uh, in like eight months, right? It's coming out. It's windowed for October of this year. Yeah. We'll see if that happens. For all That's enough time for it to be delayed. I certainly hope it's not, but especially with pre-orders and whatnot. working on an upgraded version of the PlayStation 4. According to an article from Kotaku, developer sources have reported a new version of the home console in the works, one which houses, quote, an upgraded GPU to support both high-end 4K resolution for games and add more processing power that can enhance the games supported by PlayStation VR, end quote. At the Xbox Showcase event held a few weeks ago, Head of Xbox Phil Spencer expressed an interest in a similarly upgraded Xbox, one which could be more capable of evolving in a way similar to gaming PCs. Yeah, and we talked about that story on the podcast. We did. And I mean, I, I just think that this is going to happen in this generation. We're going to see two consoles that are duking it out, mm-hmm. and they're both going to get mid-cycle upgrades. Yeah. And I just think that that is something that we have to, it's dawned upon us. It is reality. We have to reconcile. It's not that. a reality. Yeah, we're, we're it's everyone just talking about it so far. Xbox Phil Spencer is playing with the idea at an Xbox showcase. It's not like a consumerism 
expo where everyone's like, here's our next plan for the next 10 years. You think He's, these companies are just floating this idea? I think no, that, I no. Think that they're I, heavily I think that's the showing that where their interest lies. If it doesn't sell, it if it if no one buys these upgrades, if they're like, no, fuck you, we've already bought our PS4, we don't want to upgrade for $200 or whatever it is, we'll want to do this, then it won't happen. They could try. I think they're going so to they try. they put them out, first of all, they're going to be radically upgraded graphics cards this yeah. is the thing about the playstation and the xbox they're the first consoles that are really they're really both really pcs every yeah. uh playstation up until the place the newest playstation playstation 4 was running on very radical uh specific sony designed hardware mm-hmm. that you had to really max out in a very specific way to make it work these the new playstation very similar to the xbox they're just really pcs in a box and their graphics cards wrapped in a box yeah you don't it's not really hard to make a new one i mean you just make yeah. an upgraded one they're how many years old is playstation now two it we're was 2013 uh the quarter four of 2013 coming on three years of the of the playstation yeah. and and when these consoles were released they were already significantly behind the pc in terms of graphics quality mm-hmm so I mean, I think they're looking at modern games that on these consoles that can't even run, you know, at sixty frames per second, ten eighty p. Yeah, and they're saying that I feel like they're getting complaints from developers that I mean, the developers saying these these consoles are just not powerful enough to run the to the build the games that we want to build. Right, and most developers now that that are selling the most are these third party developers who are mostly developing and creating on PCs and just porting it to these consoles, right? There's, you know, the only people, there's only so many first party studios. There are so many, but there's only so many first party studios that are working just on the console itself. And in the end, like you said, these consoles are PCs, so it's hardly any different. I think this will make for a more optimal gaming experience, especially with VR on the way and things like that. But we, Ian brought up the point last time we spoke about this when talking about the Xbox showcase. There's older games and, you know, older gamers who don't upgrade to the next generation, well, to the next uh, iteration on the system that will, they'll eventually be just eradicate they won't be able to keep up they won't be able to buy the they newest won't be games. able to buy the newest games yeah but i think that if it in turn in a pc the minimum specs usually are pretty low mm-hmm. the re- the recommended specs are what you usually see right so the minimum, the minimum specs, specs are like multiple years back yeah sometimes like five years back it'll be a mid-range graphics card from years in the past and mm-hmm. i mean that is what these new consoles are going to be. It's going to be the minimum spec mm-hmm. is the last Xbox. And then the recommended spec is the latest. Mm-hmm. The question is, are there going to be games that only come out for the newest Xbox? Right. Back to PlayStation 4.5. Do you think they're going to go for a an upgrade system? I have my PlayStation 4. I want a new PlayStation 4.5. Higher GPU settings, stuff like that. I trade in my PlayStation 4 for 4.5, only have to pay like $200, $150. If I didn't know that Nintendo was already doing that, I would tell you that you're a crazy psychopath and they would never do that. But knowing that Nintendo has that system ready at scale through GameStop, Mm -hmm. I could see them doing that now. I would tell you you're a maniac. I would tell you they're maniacs for releasing a PlayStation 4.5 after having sold tens of millions of PlayStation 4s. I think they would have to do it with the assurance that the new games were going to be supported for the life of the new PlayStation until the PlayStation 5. That is what they'll do. Uh, There would have to be a massive public campaign that said, if you still have the PlayStation, that's a great PlayStation that's going to work for the, the upcoming years. Do not worry, but if you want to play games at a higher graphical fidelity come into the store and pick up this new upgrade it's gonna and we're gonna launch with mm-hmm. you know it's like maybe a throw-in title like a really cool game that comes out yeah that really gives you some great features in the upgraded graphics throw that into the upgrade yeah that i think is what they'll do i think they are definitely sensitive to uh gamers 
I guess uh, I'm I'm not sure what to say, but like looking back on E3 2013 when they announced everything about the PlayStation 4 and how it was not the Xbox One, how they were not going to disrespect gamers, you know, used games and things like that, how they weren't going to go all digital and things like that. I'm actually, always fur- online. I don't know if you ever talked about this. I'm furious that Sony won that battle because I would much rather live in a world where Microsoft won that right, battle. Right, because, right, yeah, Microsoft was going for what what I assume Joey, the Microsoft, industry is going. I don't know if you right, understood this on. at the time. I, I I understand. You are a PC gamer. They were trying to go for exactly where PC gaming has already gone. There was another Console thing they gamers were doing, weren't though. ready for it. That's they all. were building in a system where you could sell your digital games. So you could actually put up your games on a market. Yeah. And they rolled all of that it was, back. It was far too complicated for the consumer's eye. Like they were just like, ah, oh, they just were angry that they were losing their their physical games. It was. Th- it's amazing what three years it difference is, would do. It was actually for me at the time a huge disappointment that PlayStation won, and I felt like the crowds won over. Absolutely, and really Microsoft had a very interesting vision for what the future would be that I would have liked to see play out, and ultimately, I'll I'll always commend PlayStation because it was regardless of whether or not I don't think they hindered the industry at all. Like the, you know, we don't need digital to come sooner rather than later it's going to go there eventually and it's not a problem that it's still in the physical right now i think that playstation handed it to xbox in such fashion like and such fucking style like i just commend them for just giving me an awesome e3 to remember that's really all i care about for me it was a nightmare because xbox is doing fine xbox is has Plenty of likes to stand on right now. They're doing better than Xbox 360. Yeah, did. but they rolled back the most interesting parts of what they were doing. And the joke, they were interesting. If, there was not. There was nothing to say that it was going to be successful. Your games online, your digital games. You can put them on a market. I mean, these digital games are locked to your account. You can't sell them. You can still buy digital games. Yeah. That future line basically got eradicated by Sony coming in. And being like, no, we're doing it the way it always was. We're regressing all of your. What if I like, told you moves? that the same the system actually works right now, except you just have to sell your physical copy instead. I don't want physical. Copies. Right. Okay. Then that's just you're a PC gamer. You're ahead of us all. You're you're already over that hill. Right now, we're still comfortable in our in our console century. You know where we we need another hundred years in order to hang out and like bathe in our physical copies and our fucking game booklets and whatever we need we need more time ryan we need more time in other news star wars cinematic vr experience Besides Battlefront coming to PlayStation 4, the VR experience coming to PlayStation 4, we also have an actual Star Wars experience created by Lucasfilm or LucasArts. By ILM. Directly by LucasArts. These guys showed a cinematic trailer where you are on Tatooine with a VR helmet and you look around, R2-D2 is right next to you, and then some blasters come your way and you light up a lightsaber and you deflect these lasers for, and it looks very much like, you know, PlayStation controller or touch controller or, you know, HTC Vive controller, activate the lightsaber and you are in full control of these lightsaber movements. Yeah, I mean, that's the dream, right? That's what we've been waiting for. That's what you've been waiting that's for. That's what <laughs> I've been waiting for. And I feel like that's what a lot of people have been waiting for their whole life. This, I mean, in every Star Wars game, the actual deflection of specific blaster bolts has been done by the engine in-game. Mm. So it's never gotten to the detail where you are holding an actual lightsaber, you power it on, and you're blocking blaster bolts. And I actually don't even understand how they're, they're going to have to mess with time in some way mm-hmm. to make it tenable. I did read an article about this. Mm. With Actually, this is a crazy demo that they had, they were showing. The article said that it was 500 gigs of textures and also um, 
they were doing it with four $2,000 graphics cards. Oh, perfect. So, so they said there are some crazy things that they were doing to make it actually work. They said that, that this, so this is like LucasArts. They have all the original stuff and they're doing it yeah. at such a high level of fidelity. If they're going to bring this to even current PCs, they're going to have to pare it down. The mm-hmm. other really interesting thing that they said was that the way we know what a lightsaber looks like is from 24 frames per second film. And seeing a lightsaber in 90 frames per second VR is completely different. So they did some crazy technical magic to make the 90 90 frames per second VR look like a 24 frames per second lightsaber. Now, when you say that, that sounds ridiculous. But when you say it, you're talking about the sputtering and like the glowing of the quote unquote blade itself. And the, that mo- looks the motion different. blur of it moving in 24 uh, frames per second. So looks it looks totally different. It looks than too 90. real in 90 frames. It's too smooth. It doesn't look like the old movies. Right, right. That's and they need want. that motion blur of the, yeah, yeah. That's pretty sweet. That is incredible. Like that they can dig that deep into something that we, we may never see. Like, are we going to see this thing? You know, it's is it going to be able to run? I mean, at the level that they're doing it now, it's going to be we're looking at five years mm. for top of the line uh, consumer products to mm. run this stuff. They're doing really custom graphics processing to make it happen. Right. But they, they'll they probably release a much pared down version of it where they smooth out a lot. They cut out a lot of the textures. The environments are much smaller. Yeah. They literally used all of the Star Wars assets that they had. So the background was fully fleshed out. Like you could zoom into it. Right. And it was that is insane. Like an actual Star Wars environment. I mean, that's what I want. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I want nothing less, honestly. Also, Super Hot Creator says game is not a puzzle game. Right, we had spoken briefly about this. You're a big fan of this Creaky. game. Yeah. So he says it's not a puzzle game, but you think it is a puzzle game. I have multiple times contended that this is absolutely a shooter puzzle game because of the way it is formatted, the way the levels are presented to you, and the format of the game itself. It is absolutely a shooter puzzle game. So he says, we wanted to reinvent the first-person shooter. He said while pacing madly across the stage... You treat this. This is read time, from a Polygon article. You treat this time moves only when you move as a gimmick. You could use it in just some sections of the game or make it a power up. But we wanted to make this the core idea and let it resonate through the other aspects of gameplay. So basically, the way I played Super Hot is in that way. I used only the time slowing down only as a power up in some sections of the game, played with the stipulation that I'm going to play mostly in real time. Mm-hmm. Joey looked at the game and he played almost exclusively without moving and used basically the opposite used moving as a power up. Well, not moving as a power up. I just, I was constantly staying still and observing my surroundings and and the situation presented to me and very often was manipulating time by like pacing back and forth in order to like, I was using it as much as I could because it was always at my disposal. So I, I never understand not using a tool that's at your disposal as much as you can. And you can constantly in that game. And that allows you to manipulate everything to step back and kind of view everything empirically and decide what is the best course of action in order for you to solve this puzzle, essentially. Because guys are spawning in specific areas. You may not approach it the same way every time, but normally you will find a specific solution that works for you unless you're playing it like yourself and playing it like a serious first person shooter moving around so my contention is that a almost every first person shooter game single player game where the enemies spawn in the same place Mm -hmm. where they do the same thing every time where they're on a script that to me is like a puzzle game i've always seen these games as puzzle games Mm -hmm. and the way you just described it it's the same to me and and your contention is that other first-person shooters are unlike puzzles, that there's something different. I argue that, yes, you are correct in saying that it is like a puzzle. I'd say it's not a puzzle game in the way, not that it does not function like a puzzle and it's no way like a puzzle, puzzle and you're wrong. I'm saying it in the way that the terminology puzzle game brings association to you know, a certain format. 
wherein like you are presented this many puzzles, you know, you go through puzzle number one, number two, and they get increasingly difficult. And there's no lore behind it or story behind it. There's no violence involved really. Like there's violence technically in super hot cause it's a gun game, but like, it's very, you know, it, it's like not even realistic. You know, you're in these uh, crystallized, spaces with like these weird red dudes that just explode when you shoot them like a break like glass so it's violent i guess it inherently but it's you know not a photorealistic game and instead it's just presenting to you the problem which requires solving and that to me is more of a puzzle game whereas in call of duty you are solving a problem that's presented to you but there's some kind of narrative drive which makes you want to solve it. I'm, I'm not sure why. I don't think it's really... I think this is much more systematically created as a puzzle game. Looking at Not other according to the games. creator. He said it's not a puzzle game. The creator, I disagree with the creator. I'm not going to lie. I, I think he's he's entitled to his opinion, well, but, I, but I think he's wrong. I think he would say that you are not entitled to yours because you did not create it. Well, that's it. ridiculous because <laughs> I, he put the game out to the world and you know people are entitled to their own opinions on all art, regardless of if they're creator or consumer or seller or whatever, you know? I think so he, super hot. He also sounds like a madman. Not a puzzle. Like game. he's like pacing. There's like this is the biggest game ever. You can express yourself as a gamer like this way. It's like any game allows you to express yourself as a gamer. He just he's very high on his own product. I think you know he's just like this game is amazing. Pacing back and forth. They the writers at Polygon clearly portray him as kind of manic. So I think yeah. I'm just gonna write him off as crazy. And decide that I'm it's gonna a write him game. in as one of my personal heroes, but <laughs> but here's the thing: I'm very excited about seeing Super Hot in VR. I yeah. want to try it. I mean, I think this crazy guy is gonna come out with a really groundbreaking product, and we're gonna see it. We're gonna I, see it in the next few months. Well, we got uh, we went on a little tangent. We could we could bring back Super Hot. I mean, great game. Everyone played. If you haven't, it's gonna change your life. <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 rumored release date. So it was revealed several days ago, a few days ago, probably last week. This is a game whose trailer I actually watched, so I do know what we're talking about. Yeah, fantastic. Final Fantasy 15, which has been in development technically for almost maybe over 10 years. Is it going to come to PC or PS4 exclusive? Not PS4 exclusive. I don't know if it's coming to PC. However, it would be surprising if it didn't, I think. And you're excited about this game. Like, this is a game that you would want to play. I, if you came out right Ryan, now. I'm in a place where I'll be excited when it's in my hands, yeah. when I when it's out and I see it. Because at this point, I can't really care because they've just delayed it, release a demo, release a patch for a demo. It's like the most absurd things happening with this game. But they're saying, sources are saying that the alleged date for global release would be September 30th of this year. Uh, of course, the release date will probably be announced at an event that is being hosted by Greg Miller and Tim Gaze of Kind of Funny. They'll be hosting the event and announcing the release date and any other further details due to us, like if the game is actually real. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in and listening for this episode of Screen Watchers, your game's cast for all multi-platform news discussion and otherwise erroneous banter. Listen, we're Oftentimes looking erroneous banter. for stars. We're trying to collect stars. We're looking for 120. If you could just give us five on iTunes, we'll get there eventually. We heard that if we get to 120. 240 ratings later of five stars, we'll get there. That'll be the eventual. 40 ratings. I mean, that's the math. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's right. We 40. didn't check it. No, 240 ratings. Oh, 120. We want 120 stars. Five stars. Five stars. So we need. Please give us five stars. Don't give us one star. That looks bad. We want five. And when we get 120 stars, we, we heard. Need, we, not, we need 24 ratings. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking point five, point like point five don't, out don't of think one. Anymore. Listen. 120 stars, a cannon opens up. Where does it shoot us? We won't find out. We don't out know. We, get in. <laughs> we don't so. know. Subscribe to us on iTunes, 
visit our website at screenwatchers.net. Ryan and I will be soon hosting a Hearthstone exclusive podcast called The Mana Drop, where we will discuss weekly strategies. And we're doing it. We're doing 20 minute strategy podcast on Hearthstone every single week. Mm. It's going to be great if you love Hearthstone. Not going to have any of that esports crap peppered in. We're not doing card previews every week like every other podcast. We're not taking your goddamn emails. No, this will specifically it's just, just gonna be, be a strategy. one deck every week. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the game. That's what we'll be doing. Check out what get what decks and what uh, archetypes are in circulation that week, or just what we're interested in. Maybe we'll do like a demon deck one week, just for fun. Do you like demon decks? Joey? I like the- that, I like I say? like themed decks. Theme decks. Yeah, because they're fun. I like themes, you know, but only one theme. Win. Win. <laughs> yeah, so. Visit us at ScreenWatchers.net. Like our Facebook page. Find us on iTunes again. And furthermore, follow me at Joey Dagabonuts on Twitter. 120 stars. That's what we're looking for. 120 stars. We're out. We're out.